everyone and welcome to A Story of Light, a live stream musical journey in 19 days. Today is day 10 and if you're watching for the first time, thanks very much for tuning in. You're very welcome. My name is Luke Slot. I'm a musician in Dublin and I mainly focus on setting to music the Baha'i sacred writings. And for the first 19 days of March, uh, I'm doing this series of daily live streams here at AP Studios in Dublin. Uh, in preparation for the release of my new album, Home of Light, which is a collection of songs based on the writings of Abdu'l-Bahá. And if you're not familiar with Abdu'l-Bahá, he was the son of Baha'u'lláh, the founder of the Baha'i faith. And uh, he's really cherished as, as an example and a role model to Baha'is and friends around the world. And 2021 marks the 100th anniversary of his passing. And so, uh, uh, hence the, the, the new album coming out later this year. And so, um, as usual, the previous episodes are linked below. So if you want to catch up on the other parts of the story, uh, please, please do so in your own time. And um, so just uh, moving, moving right ahead with, with our story. Yesterday, we had looked at this, this, um, this, um, this point of great crisis in Baghdad when uh, a decree from the Sultan of the Ottoman Empire had arrived banishing Baha'u'llah from the city and summoning him to the city of Constantinople, the capital of the empire. But Baha'u'llah had really transformed this, this moment of great crisis into a moment of, of uh, incredible joy and celebration by revealing to the people of Baghdad in the Garden of Rezvan that he was the promised one which the Bab had foretold and which the people were waiting for. He was him whom God will make manifest. And of course, this, this declaration had come as no surprise to Abdu'l-Bahá, who was now 19 years of age and who, who, through his own spiritual insight, had long since recognised that his father was the promised one. And so the Babis, the followers of the Bab, now became the Baha'is, the followers of Baha'u'llah. And the family set out on this 1,000-mile journey to Constantinople, the seat of the Sultan. And in Constantinople, the same thing happened. Uh, more and more people started to hear about Baha'u'llah. They would come to find him and meet him. His writings continued to spread. Um, sometimes people would travel long distances just to find who was the author of these writings that had such a, a, a penetrative power. And frequently, people would be so affected by meeting with him that often they would, uh, they, often his enemies would come to challenge him and they would leave as devoted friends. And of course, the Sultan, that despotic ruler, Sultan Abdul Aziz of the Ottoman Empire, uh, who, was, who was really trying to restrain Baha'u'llah by keeping him under close watch, was soon becoming, um, uh, he, he soon began to see Baha'u'llah's growing influence in, 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 in the capital as a, as a grave threat to his own power. And suddenly, just merely a few months after the family had arrived, Sultan Abdul Aziz uh, issued yet another decree of exile, banishing Baha'u'llah and his family from the, from the capital, this time with no fanfare, with no dignity, with no provisions, and in the middle of a freezing cold winter, they were to be sent to the remote city of Adrianople, far away from the capital. And so, once again, Baha'u'llah and Nawab and the children packed up their belongings 
and set out to make their way to their third place of exile, Adrianople, in the far western corner of the Ottoman Empire. And Baha'u'llah described in very moving words um, the conditions of this sudden banishment from the capital. Um, so, Antimo, can you just put up the, uh, the first slide there? He wrote, Neither my family nor those who accompanied me had the necessary raiment to protect them from the cold in that freezing weather. The eyes of our enemies wept over us, and beyond them those of every discerning person. So by the time that the, that the family arrived in Adrianople, Abdu'l-Bahá was, was really blossoming into um, an exceptionally capable young man, and he was extremely a uh, attached to his father, and he had he'd really been deeply affected by the hardships that, that he had seen his father endure. And over the following few years, as the family settled into Adrianople, Abdu'l-Bahá, now in his early 20s, he, he became like a sort of a, a shield to his father. He began acting as a kind of a deputy to Baha'u'llah, helping his father to deal with the increasing number of visitors and inquirers and, and even government officials that were coming uh, to their home to meet with Baha'u'llah. And uh, probably most importantly of all, Abdu'l-Bahá was, was really, he was, he was trying to protect Baha'u'llah from troublemakers. But there was one troublemaker who was so embedded within the family that even Abdu'l-Bahá could not protect his father from this person. And that person was Baha'u'lláh's young brother, Mirza Yahya, who back in Baghdad had caused the family so much heartbreak through his campaign of slander to destroy Baha'u'lláh's efforts to revive the Bab's message. And in the early days, back in Persia, Mirza Yahya had actually become a very prominent follower of the Bab, and the Bab had even entrusted Mirza Yahya with the special responsibility of assisting his fellow Babis to recognize him whom God will make manifest whenever he should appear. But after the Bab was executed and the, the persecution of the Babis was, was reaching excruciating levels, Mirza Yahya had fled into hiding, disguising himself wherever he went and, and really threatening uh, anyone who dared to publicly reveal that he was a Babi. And Mirza Yahya had actually followed Baha'u'llah uh, to Baghdad and then to Constantinople and all the way to Adrianople, really in order to, to save his own skin and to benefit from the the respect that Baha'u'llah seemed to receive from people around him wherever he went. Uh, but, but this responsibility that the Bab had given him went to Mirza Yahya's head. And uh, in Adrianople, his envy of Baha'u'llah's increasing prestige really reached its peak. Uh, within a year of the family's arrival, uh, Baha'u'llah was having that same unifying effect on the people of Adrianople that he had had on the people of Baghdad and the people of Suleymaniyya, and it was becoming more than Mirza Yahya was willing to tolerate. And he made a decision that he was going to remove Baha'u'llah permanently and assume 
his rightful place as the leader of the Barbies and the true promised one. And so, Atomo, if you can put up the, the next slide. So Shoghi Effendi tells us, A constant witness of the ever-deepening attachment of the exiles to Baha'u'llah and of their amazing veneration for him, fully aware of the heights to which his brother's popularity had risen in Baghdad in the course of his journey to Constantinople and later through his association with the notables and governors of Adrianople, incensed by the manifold evidences of the courage, the dignity and independence which that brother had demonstrated in his dealings with the authorities in the capital, refusing to be admonished by prominent members of the community who advised him in writing to exercise wisdom and restraint, forgetful of the kindness and counsels of Baha'u'llah, who thirteen years his senior had watched over his early youth and manhood, emboldened by the sin-covering eyes of his brother, who on so many occasions had drawn a veil over his many crimes and follies. This arch-breaker of the covenant of the Bab, spurred on by his mounting jealousy and impelled by his passionate love of leadership, was driven to perpetrate such acts as defied either concealment or toleration. So one day in Adrianople, Mirza Yahya invited Baha'u'llah to come and have tea with him and exchange news. And, of course, Baha'u'llah naturally accepted the invitation and the two brothers sat together. But when Baha'u'llah placed his lips on the rim of the cup of tea, he immediately sensed that something was wrong and he put the cup down. But it was too late. The cup was poisoned. And Mirza Yahya watched as his brother's hands began to shake and his face turned pale as a ghost, and Baha'u'llah collapsed. And some family members, sensing that something was wrong, rushed to the scene, and Baha'u'llah was taken away in a state of emergency and was treated by a series of doctors who managed to keep him alive. But the effects of the poison would remain with him for the rest of his life, and the shake of his hand was even visible in his writings from that day forward. And, you know, one way to think of Baha'u'llah's life is, is a bit like the rising of the sun. You know, at the, at the darkest point of the night, the sun appears on the horizon very gently, not blazing out immediately, but slowly rising, gradually revealing more and more of its light, stage by stage, increasing the intensity of its rays, getting brighter and brighter until eventually it shines out in its full splendor in the middle of the sky. But the brighter the light, the darker the shadow. And Mirza Yahya, so close to Baha'u'llah, had become like a shadow, following his brother wherever he went, and always fighting against that light. And beyond the the physical effects of the poison itself, this, this betrayal of his brother, uh, affected Baha'u'llah on a deeply personal level because he never saw Mirza Yahya as his enemy. He had always been there for his brother. Back in Baghdad, when, his, when Mirza Yahya showed up at his door, he had taken him in and he had given him everything he needed to settle into life in Baghdad, even insisting that his family and his friends treat Mirza Yahya with kindness, even when Mirza Yahya was acting in the opposite way. Uh, years before that, when Mirza Yahya 
was a teenager. Baha'u'llah had helped him to understand the significance of the Bab's message and had encouraged him in shouldering the responsibilities that the Bab had placed on him. And years before that, when Mirza Yahya was a little child and their father passed away, Baha'u'llah had become like a father to Mirza Yahya, raising him as if he were a son of his own. But now, in Baha'u'llah's own words, He who for months and years I reared with the hand of loving-kindness hath risen to take my life. And so today, um, I'd like to sing for you a a verse from the Hidden Words of Baha'u'llah, a book that I I sang a verse from this book a few days ago, and I think that this verse is particularly pertinent to uh, this relationship between Baha'u'llah and Mirza Yahya. So... um, If you're fasting today, I I hope you have a good fast and I hope you'll join me tomorrow for day 11 of A Story of Light. This piece is called Noble. Yet thou hast, yet thou hast abased
Have I created?